Peak Performance offers a revolutionary ED solution, scientifically proven to increase blood flow, sensitivity, and sexual performance, all with no side effects, no surgery, and no pills. Call 1-800-210-8181 today for a free evaluation. The Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Rob McConnell's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the Exxon Radio Show or endorsed in any manner by Rob McConnell, Relmar McConnell Media Company, the Exxon Broadcast Network, its affiliated networks, stations, employees, or advertisers. Welcome to the X-Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. This is the Exxon. I am Rob McConnell, and we're coming to you from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, on the Exxon Broadcast Network, Talkstar Radio Network, Mutual Broadcast Network, and iHeart Radio, and around the world on the Exxon Broadcast Network, XZBN.net. Exxon Nation, my guest this hour is Father Davila Ashcraft, and we're going to be talking about exorcisms, theology, church history, and much more. Um, joining me now is Father Ashcraft. And uh, Father Ashcraft, welcome to the Exxon. I'm glad to be here. Thank you. Tell us a little bit about yourself, sir. Well, um, I'm a priest with the Evangelical Episcopal Communion. It's an Anglican jurisdiction. Um, I am an exorcist, mm-hmm. and I'm also a theologian and apologist, uh, which basically means that... Uh, I'm able to explain what a Christian believes, why we believe it, and I'm able to defend those beliefs on a philosophical basis as well as theological. All right, so you being an apologist is something totally different than I am, because as an apologist at home, I always say, I'm sorry, dear. Yes, dear, you are right. (laughs) And I end up apologizing more times than enough. I think any of us who are married have to do that a lot at home. (laughs) How did you get involved in exorcism, sir? Well, uh, previously, I, I was originally ordained with the Byzantine Orthodox uh, uh, Catholic Church, which is um, it is the, the Orthodox who remained in communion with Rome uh, during the schism there. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I was with that jurisdiction, uh, my bishop appointed me the exorcist for uh, the eparchy, which is like a diocese. And I had to study and mentor uh, under another priest, and my mentor was a Franciscan Roman Catholic priest, uh, elderly man, um, died just a couple of years ago, actually. Um, but I had to uh, basically uh, serve a mentorship under his tutelage, mm-hmm. learn what I could from him, and um, and then when he felt like I was competent enough to handle claims of activity on my own, then he uh, in turn told my bishop, who gave me permission to do so for the eparchy. How different is the actual exorcism from exorcisms that we see on television? 
quite different. Um, you know, you, you have to remember television is for entertainment. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, even reality TV, um, that's tongue in cheek. Yeah. <laughs> There's entertainment there. And um, so what you see with movies, um, you know, it's going to be extremely exaggerated. Um, do we see dramatic manifestations? On occasion we do, certainly, but nothing um, nothing on the level of uh, people being dragged into portals through walls and things like that. Um, it, the, the actual work of exorcism, investigating claims, takes up a greater amount of time because you have to be very careful with it. And, uh, you know, I think if people actually saw what goes into investigating the claims before we even get to the point of saying, okay, there's something here and we need to do an exercise. I think they'd be very bored to be quite honest. You know, it's, it's just like police work. I was a police officer before I became and I went into broadcasting and you know, the 22 minutes that you see of on a cop show is way different. You know, like they don't show the hours, days, and sometimes months of surveillance and the work that goes into the case. So I can fully appreciate what you just said, sir. Uh, I've got about a minute yeah, before I go to my commercial break, Father, but is, is evil real? Evil is very real. Very real. And uh, if anybody doubts that, I have them just uh, look at your local news. Yeah. Take a look. All right, Father, please stand by. Explanation Father Davila Ashcraft is our special guest. And his website is www.paleoorthodoxy.org. And we'll be back on the other side of this commercial break as we continue investigating the world of the paranormal and the science of parapsychology from our broadcast center here in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. And this hour, we're talking about exorcisms, evil, demonic entities, demonism, and much more. Don't go away. Exonation Father Davila Ashcraft is our special guest this hour. His website is paleoorthodoxy.org. And uh, Father Ashcraft, before we went to the commercial break, you were telling us that there's a lot that goes into an exorcism. Uh, the investigation of a demonic um, possession before it gets to the point where you are given the authorization by the church to go ahead and conduct an exorcism. Can you tell us about some of the investigative work and research that goes into the case before it's actually given the green light? Certainly. Well, we get a lot of claims of activity. Um, and you know, you have to, first of all, understand that there are a lot of things that can give people the impression that there is something uh, preternatural or paranormal going on. And those things run from the psychological to the medical to the environmental and to the purely superstitious and uh, mistaken. 
Mm-hmm. Um, when I receive a claim, the first thing I do is I hand that claim off along with, you know, a list of the person's initial claims for the activity. I hand that off to a group of lay investigators and I train Christian demonologists throughout the country, including other pastors throughout the country in many denominations to investigate and handle these claims. And so I hand it to a lay investigator first who has been trained to look for the most logical answers first. And so we, we don't ever jump to the conclusion that the claims are valid as presented, even if the person is very sincere. So the first thing we look at is, of course, the environmental. Are there things in the family dynamic Mm -hmm. that could give us a clue that there's something else going on here? Is there abuse? Is there alcoholism, drug use? Um, You know, a whole host of things. You as a police officer are probably aware of this. Um, You know, there are some very dysfunctional homes, and uh, people can really um, act out in ways that are pretty bizarre, especially when they're dealing with alcohol or drug abuse. Or the second tier is when we get to psychological issues. There are a whole host of psychological issues that can uh, seemingly give signs of demonic activity. And those range from schizophrenia to bipolar disorder, uh, temporal lobe epilepsy, uh, which is actually more of a medical issue, mm-hmm. uh, Geschwind syndrome. You know, there's this whole host of things that we have to look at. And one of the things that I impress on uh, lay investigators as they're going through their training um, is that, you know, we have to, the first thing we say to them is right up front, we need a full medical and psychological evaluation from professionals. Once you have that done, then we can proceed to consider your claims. Because if someone is suffering from a medical or psychological condition and you proceed acting as if the claims are really demonic, you could do irreparable damage there. Uh, not to mention, you could also be held criminally or civilly liable for whatever might happen. You know, I'm, I'm glad you brought so, that up, uh, Father, and I, I'm sorry for interrupting you here. But there have no, been so many people who go on the internet, pay, I think it's something like 25 or $35 to become accredited exorcists. And I've always challenged them on the point of what happens if you guys screw up? You're not professionally exactly. trained, uh, you know, and it's like, oh, well, you know, uh, well, no, why aren't or how do we, this is even a better question for you, Father, how do we, how do we keep the want-to-be exorcists or the hobby exorcist accountable for their actions? Well, unfortunately, it's very difficult to uh, hold those people accountable. Um, I can think of one gentleman um, who is personally known to me who hawks his wares on the Internet and travels around the country and uh, gives little seminars in hotel uh, halls, rented halls, mm-hmm. and uh, he will charge people upwards of, you know, 250 to you know thousands of dollars for his exorcisms, and of course he claims to train others for, of course, a hefty fee. Um, so it's very difficult to 
hold those people accountable until they've already done harm, unfortunately. But then it's too and late. that's when the law steps in. And even that, you know, you've got the psychological damage, you've got the financial damage. Yeah. It's already done. Exactly. My advice to people is don't go to those kinds of people. Go mm-hmm. to your local church. Talk to your pastor. Talk to your parish priest. You know, go to them. Right. You're more likely to get sane and safe answers there than you are going to, you know, Bob Larson on the internet. Oh, now there's a name I know very well. I've had uh, Bob on the show, and uh, well, the last time I had him on, I asked him so many hard questions. He told me that I must be possessed by the devil. Well, that's that's yeah. par for the course for yeah. Bob. I know him personally, and yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, he's got he, a, uh, he's got his daughter working for him now. He's got his. Oh yeah, yeah. They, it's a family affair. called Teen Exorcist. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I call it yeah. Team Ripoff personally, but absolutely, the man <laughs> is. Um, yeah, yeah. It, it's. It, I would not recommend anybody use his services or anybody mm-hmm. like that. Um, and there are plenty of people out there doing the same sort of. Well, of course, because Um, if these people were to go to a professional like yourself or a professional member of the clergy, they will not be, you know, the professionals will not be taken in and want to have the possibility of getting their five minutes of fame, whereas you and the other professionals within the clergy care about the person, the cause, the effect, and the reality of it. Well, true, and and. You know, you'd, you'd be surprised at how many people get really angry with me for coming to them at the end of this and telling them after an investigation mm-hmm. that, you know, you don't have demonic activity here. We recommend you see a counselor, a therapist, or get marriage counseling mm-hmm. or substance abuse counseling or something like that. The anger that comes at you is amazing. And, uh, but, um, you know, I'll take that anger, I'll take the abuse any day. Over, over doing damage to somebody that uh, could ruin their life. That's because so, that's uh, because you're a professional, a man who cares. Well, I try my best to to, to do a good job. Uh, oh. I mean, I'm I'm as as a priest, I am a pastor of souls, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, I'm I'm told to love my neighbor as myself, and that right. means I have to seek my neighbor's highest good, even as Christ sought our highest good. And I am not seeking someone's highest good if I am ignoring concrete potential answers to their problems, like psychology, medical, environmental, etc. How would you describe the type of exorcism that you do? And, and what do you do during your, your exorcisms? Well, if we get to the point where we really determine there is demonic activity and it warrants a, a an exorcism, an exorcism is basically the a rite of the church, which is essentially a, a prayer or series of mm-hmm. prayers, by which, through the derived authority of Christ, we expel those demonic entities from that person's life. Um, it could be from their their physical person is in demonic possession because there are different levels of demonic activity. Uh, demonic possession is where a demonic ener- entity is actually inhabiting the physical person. And 
there could be uh, full possession, which means the, the demonic entity is in control all of the time, which is very, very rare. Mm-hmm. Uh, more common with that is, uh, is what we would call transitional possession. The, the demonic entity will surface and then subside. Um, that's more common. Now, not to say that demonic possession is common. It's not. 99.9% of the claims I receive they have no no basis to them whatsoever. Uh, there's something else uh, that causes the symptoms. Uh, but with real cases, you know, th- those are the two types. Now, there are other types of demonic activity that don't necessarily require an exorcism, but do require pastoral care and counseling. And that accounts for much more of the... Uh, the ongoing care that we give to people with these claims, because we don't just tell somebody, you know, go see a a doctor, go see a psychologist, and then drop it at that. If we find out they have psychological or medical conditions, we offer to connect them with uh, a pastor in their area if they don't have one, um, so that they can have ongoing spiritual care as well as psychological and medical. But the next two levels are oppression and obsession. Okay. Oppression will be one step down from possession. Oppression is where there is demonic activity around the person, creating situations that are extremely difficult, meant to demoralize and uh, cause the person to despair. And one of the most common ends of this we see are when people commit suicide. Um, not all suicides are the result of demonic oppression, don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, but th- there are cases where somebody is potentially oppressed and commits suicide because the oppression is so hard. They cannot see the light at the end of the tunnel. And, and so there you have, again, intense ongoing pastoral care. And you're probably going to need psychological counseling as well, because that usually has attendant issues of depression. So uh, then the next level is obsession. And this one is generally more dealt with with pastoral care, except in some of the extreme cases. And obsession is where the demonic will constantly flood the thoughts with uh, the imagery or uh, desire for a particular area of sin or dysfunction. And uh, with that one, again, you can see why it would be very important to send them to a psychologist, because there are psychological issues that can, again, masquerade as oppression. So, uh, if if we know from a psychologist this person has a clean bill of health, so to speak, mm-hmm. then we can just move to dealing with why that, that area of sin or dysfunction is so appealing to the person and work on changing their thought patterns. And there are various ways you can do this. One of the ways is, you know, give them index cards that have scriptures, uh, scripture verses that deal particularly with that area of sin. And when they start feeling it come on, they pull those cards out and start reading those cards to try to move the mind back to a healthier train of thought. Uh, Because we are very much 
we, we tend to very much be as we think. And uh, so it, it, as you can see, there, there's a whole lot of levels there. There certainly are. And, you know, they go from the, the extreme to the, to the most simple. All right, Father Ashcraft, please stand by, sir. We've got to take our news break at the bottom of the hour. Exonation Father Davila Ashcraft is our guest this hour. His website is paleoorthodoxy.org. And uh, Father Ashcraft and I will be back on the other side of this break as we continue here in the Exxon from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Check out the Exxon Broadcast Network at www.xzbn.net. Don't go away. Exonation, the Father um, Father Davila Ashcraft is our special guest of this hour. His website is paleoorthodoxy.org. Father, does the does the evil, does the demonic entity, does the demonism actually come from the devil, Satan, Lucifer? Well, in in a sense, yes. Um, Satan uh, is considered in Christian theology to have been the leader of the rebellion against God mm-hmm. um, with a third of the angels who became fallen angels that we know as demons. So he is the titular head of those fallen angels. Uh, however, not every case of demonic possession is Satan himself. Demons, they're individual uh, entities, actually do that. They inhabit people. And, um, you know, when you, when you refer to Satan, there's Satan the person, Lucifer, but then you also have Satan coming from the Hebrew Hasatan, the adversary, which is descriptive of every fallen demon. So, you know, it depends on I see. the language you're using. When we think of movies like The Exorcist and uh, the Amityville, Uh, horror and uh, the conjuring where this evil seems to to take hold take possess um, with the with the special effects that we see the levitation the the vile smell the cold room the 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 visions of the demon himself how you know is this just hollywood well, some of it, yes, some of it, no. Um, you know, in, in more extreme cases of demonic possession, mm-hmm. there have been uh, experiences of objects levitating, being thrown across the room, um, you know, strange languages being spoken that are actually later found out to be dead languages, mm-hmm. um, foul smells, uh, temperature changes in the rooms, um, lacerations appearing spontaneously on the victim's body. Um, yeah, there, there are a lot of a lot of uh, very real manifestations like that. Uh, but you know, the head spinning completely around mm-hmm. that sort of thing. No. Yeah. Um, we we do see contortions of the body and things like that, very similar to what you would probably see in cases of epilepsy. Right. If someone's having a seizure, very similar to that. Um, but they're always disturbing. Um, even the most mild case is very disturbing. You see, as a, as an Anglican myself, I know that at the back of the prayer book there is the the rites of of exorcism, 
So, you know, mm-hmm. I've, I've always had a keen interest in that aspect of it. Uh, but the other parts of the, the exorcist as seen by the New Age movement, the, the, uh, the paranormal investigators, where do you think this, this resurgence in interest in exorcism is actually coming from? Is it just a sign of the times, or is evil more prevalent now than it has been before? Well, I think, I personally believe that evil is hard at work, mm-hmm. probably more now than ever before. And, uh, you know, my my opinions on, on as to what evidence is that would probably offend some of your listeners, uh, but I have to speak the truth no matter what. I wouldn't expect um, you not to speak the truth, sir. And on this show, the truth is the main the main reason why we're here. So please go right ahead. That. So go right ahead, sir. Speak your truth. Well, when I when I look in our society and I see that, uh, you know, we're ignoring even biology by saying that men can be women and women can be men. I hear you. And uh, and you know they're even now attempting to uh, make pedophilia normal. They're trying yeah. to make this a normative behavior. Um, I cannot look upon that and say that this is a healthy society. It clearly is not. And part of the reason why our society is moving in such a diabolic direction is precisely because it has rejected mm-hmm. the Christian faith and the Christian worldview. We have no appreciation of the social kingship of Christ in society. And, and so, yes, I see society becoming clearly more yeah. evil. And with that that movement toward more evil behavior, no matter how it's justified, the demonic is going to be more active and have more free reign. Well, of course, now, you're feeding second, it. You're allowing it to happen. You know, the Bible does, doesn't say Adam and Steve. The Bible says Adam and Eve. You know, absolutely. So, you know. Yeah, and, and I mean, you know, it, it's funny to see the same people, the leftists, will uh, charge people who deny that there is any sort of climate change, man-caused climate change, that they will call them science deniers. But in the same breath, mm-hmm. will defend transgenderism as completely normal, and that gender is just a social construct, when it is a fact of science, <laughs> is amazing to me. It is. So you, you have this problem, and then you have, with reality television over the past 20 years or so, you've seen a, a, a rise in interest in paranormal uh, television. It started out with Ghost Hunters, and then it exploded to Paranormal State and uh, Ghost Hunters International yeah. and the Ghost Adventures, etc. Um, and, and so, yes, people are, are more and more fascinated by that. But the problem is... What they're usually seeing through these television shows and through movies are myths or occult methodologies. And, and so that only creates even more problems. Now, the, the, the paranormal TV shows, um, I appeared on one a couple of times. Yeah, you were then, on Ghost Adventures. Uh, yes. Yeah. And um, I blessed a property there. 
And, uh, of course, everybody took that to be an exorcism. It was not an exorcism. It was a blessing of a property. Um, but because it, you know, it generated viewership, it, you know, they, they went ahead and said it was an exorcism. Yeah. Um, the, actually, the funny thing is, the last time I was asked to be on that show, I recorded an interview where I laid it out that the only, only way any of these people were going to be helped is if they have a relationship with Christ. That's it. There's nothing I can do to help anybody or anybody else. No ghost hunter, no parapsychologist. If they want help, they need a relationship with Christ. That's a must. And that never made it to air, so I never appeared again. Um, but, uh, you know, these shows do a lot of damage. I'll give you an example. There was a show called Paranormal State. Oh, sure, yeah. Um, yeah, they, they brought a case to me. This has been years ago now. Um young lady who was claiming to be possessed and they thought she was, she had some scratches on her torso and uh, they gave me a synopsis of the cases. They mm-hmm. saw it. And, uh, you know, the scratches weren't anywhere where she couldn't reach. So that didn't mean anything really. And uh, one of the scratches on her body was uh, a message to the, uh, the main cast member of one of these, um, reality ghost TV shows to come get it. Well, I'm sorry. Demons are not, you know, taken with uh, TV stars. It just doesn't work that way. Um, in reviewing this girl's case, I told them that I thought she probably needed psychological attention. Mm-hmm. She seemed to be um, highly sexualized, uh, possibly bipolar. Well, they went ahead and got somebody else because I refused to do an exorcism. They got somebody else, an Episcopalian, to go do it. Um, which was a travesty. And uh, well, that didn't take, apparently. So the next time around, they went and got a Roman Catholic priest <laughs> who is not an exorcist. And uh, he went and did it along with a psychic next to him, um, <laughs> which is absurd, and TV cameras rolling, which is absurd. Uh, and uh, came to find out that, sure enough, I was correct. This young lady was seeing a psychologist. And uh, as a result of these two programs doing this, reinforcing these silly ideas in this girl's head, her family became a pariah in their small town and uh, really embarrassed the family and probably did the girl more harm. And, and so when I look at these shows and I see that kind of thing, I'm appalled. Um, but that's unfortunately what people want to see. Yeah. You know, I've been I've been contacted by many um, production companies over the years, mm-hmm. and they've all asked me to, you know, oh, we've got great show idea. We'd love you to to be the star of this show. Right. But when I tell them I am not doing any exorcisms on camera, and if I'm investigating a case, these people have a right to privacy. If you're exposing them on television, there's all kinds of things that could happen out of that. They drop me like a hot rock then because I'm not as interesting. <laughs> um, so I, I'm not really a fan of reality television, especially of the paranormal type. Well, I agree with you on that point as well, my friend. I really do. Um, I was speaking to somebody earlier today about Ouija boards and... What is your opinion of Ouija boards? I know they're sold in toy stores. 
but I think there are a lot more, much more yeah. than just a toy. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, the Deuteronomy eighteen ten through 12 gives us a whole list of things we're not supposed to do. One of those is necromancy. Necromancy is the attempt to contact the dead. Right. And a Ouija board is designed specifically to do that. And that's what mediums do as well. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and and so, yes, Ouija boards are problematic. Um, there are many cases of demonic activity, valid demonic activity, that begin with children or sometimes adults playing with a Ouija board. As a matter of fact, the actual case uh, upon which the movie The Exorcist was based, the actual case found that the roots of the problem with that young man were because he was using a Ouija board to try to contact his grandmother. Um, so yeah, they're, they're problematic. Interestingly, there are other things that you will see on these uh, paranormal shows and in paranormal research groups, yeah. such as Frank's Box and things like this, or just simply going through a place asking questions you're still doing the same thing. You're just not using a planchette. Uh, it's still an attempt to contact the dead, and it's very dangerous and very problematic. And it's also, it's also against church doctrine. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, uh, Father, we've got to take our final break for this hour. Interesting conversation. Thank you very much for joining us. It's a great pleasure talking to you, and I can tell you, you will be coming back on this show because honesty reigns here. Well, I appreciate that. Stand by, sir. Exonation Father Davila Ashcraft is our special guest. His website is paleoorthodoxy.org, and we'll be back on the other side of this break as we continue and wrap up this hour here in the Exxon from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. For more information about the XO Radio Show, go to www.exoneradiotv.com. And for all the information on the XO Broadcast Network, our broadcast schedule, shows, and hosts, www.xzbn.net. Exonation, uh, Father Davila Ashcraft is our special guest this hour. His website is, do you have your pencil and papers ready? Or it's going to be on our website at exoneradiotv.com anyway. www.paleoorthodoxy.org. Uh, first of all, Jack, thank you very much for coming on the show. It's been a great pleasure having you on. And uh, I have to ask you your opinion about something. Watching a lot of these so-called reality shows as well as talking to paranormal investigators there are those who like to tempt the spirits and and what i say is that this is showing utter disrespect for those who have passed what is your opinion sir i think beyond that it's uh it's a very very stupid thing to do um if they truly believe that um, 
they are attempting to contact, let's say, the demonic, which some of these shows actually do suggest, such as mm-hmm. Ghost Adventures. And as I've told Zach Bagans and Nick Groff myself personally, um, it's very dangerous and they should stop because sooner or later, even if even if 99 of out of 100 of the places they go to, are, there's nothing there. If there's only one, just one, that's valid, and they go provoking, they're not equipped to handle that. Very few really are. Um, it, it can be very dangerous. People who go tempting the demonic eventually will find it, and they will regret having done so. There are many cases of people who went looking for the demonic using occult methodologies, summoning demons, etc., and found out that um, it, it was definitely extremely problematic. Their lives were turned upside down. Um, they felt a loss of control in their lives. Mm-hmm. Sometimes family members were, were damaged as a result of it. It's just a very foolish thing to do. And, um, you know, I, when I tra- train lay investigators, um, I've had a few come to me out of that paranormal community. And once they understand and they've been trained to really understand the realities of the spiritual world, uh, they leave all of that junk behind and they realize how, how, how fortunate, how blessed they were never to have encountered anything like that. Um, it's very dangerous, yes. What was your most frightening exorcism, sir? Um, I would have to say the most frightening would be the case of a uh, young lady who, uh, I, I don't want to go into too much detail about her background, but the manifestations were frightening. Um, you know, one of the things that I impress upon uh, ministers that I train to do this work, to do this area of ministry, is that the demonic have been around a very long time, <laughs> longer than you and I. And they know our life history. They've watched. They've been there to tempt us. They know what we've fell to, and to temptation. They know what to use against us. They know our most embarrassing moments, and they will bring them out when they need to. And if you are not prepared as a, as a minister, um, as a priest, to have whatever salacious detail there might be in your life of a past sin come out, um, this is probably not the area of ministry for you. Um, so I had that done to me. Uh, as a teenager, I was a pretty wild teenager. Um, I grew up in the punk subculture. <laughs> and uh, so, uh, you know, I had seen quite a lot. Uh, the drugs, the alcohol, the mm-hmm. craziness, the um, immorality. Uh, so I was there. I, I knew it firsthand. And that came out. The entity spoke it out and spoke very specific as to what I had done. And uh, yeah, it it can cause you incredible shame and they do that to demoralize you. And really that was the most frightening for me is 
the realization that, yes, they do know, and they will speak it in an attempt to, to destroy your, your faith uh, and your, your uh, perseverance. So how can one protect themselves from being possessed or protect themselves from demons? You have to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Number one, if you do not have a substantive relation with Christ, that is, if you have not said to him, yes, I accept you as my Lord and Savior, and then follow through with that, let him be the Lord of your life. Follow his teachings daily to the absolute best of your ability. Avoid acts of willful sin. I'm not suggesting that everybody can live completely sinlessly. You can commit acts of, you know, sins of ignorance or surprise or whatever, but things that you know are sinful, don't do them. Um, or if you have committed those sins, go to your priest, confess those sins, confess them to the Lord, seek the church's sacrament of reconciliation, go to church regularly, receive the sacraments, especially the Eucharist, uh, pray daily. Uh, have a substantive relationship with Christ. That is the only way to protect yourself. There is no special medal. Sorry, Roman Catholic friends, the, the Benedict's medal is not going to save you. It's not going to keep you from demonic activity. It's not. Um, there's no magic formula and uh, you know, no special rosary you can pray. It's only by a relationship with Christ and then a continual walk with him in the gospel, in his church. That's the only way. What is the significance of holy water during an exorcism? I f can fully understand the, the crucifix, but, mm -hmm. you know, well, the holy water... Holy water, holy water is, is a symbol of our baptism. Okay. Um, when we enter a church and... Uh, you know, we dip our fingers in there and we make the sign of the cross. What we're doing is reaffirming our baptismal vows. And that water has been uh, sanctified, prayed over, and, uh, and that's why we consider it holy. It's set apart for a holy purpose. And so that water, when used during an exorcism, is torturous to a demonic entity because of its sanctified nature because of what it represents. Um, so that's the significance of holy water. Would an exorcist, during the course of an exorcism, try to trick the demon or the possessed person by sprinkling them with ordinary water to see what the reaction would be? Absolutely. <laughs> I'm glad you mentioned that. Absolutely, yes. One of the things, and it's not really to trick the demon, it's really more so to test a person. Ah. Let's say the person flies through the psychological examination and the medical examination, comes back clear, there's nothing wrong with them. Right. Um, we still don't proceed to believe that there's demonic activity there. So one of the things we can do is we pray with them. There's certainly nothing wrong with praying for them and praying for their protection from the adversary. Right. And so during that prayer... We, uh, we will sometimes use plain old tap water in lieu of holy water to see if we get a reaction. If we do, we're likely not dealing with a real case of demonic possession. We're dealing with an actor. Hmm. 
So the, the checks and balance continue throughout the exorcism. Absolutely. Absolutely. We've got about two minutes left, uh, Father Ashcraft. First of all, thank you com- for coming on the show. Thank you for your honesty, and thank you for the great work that you do. What are your final thoughts, words of wisdom, uh, to the listening audience of the Exonation around the world tonight? My, my final statement would be, if you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, I implore you to get one today, this very moment. Ask Him to be your Lord and Savior, and then get into a church and begin your daily walk with Him, because He gave Himself for you completely. So I would encourage you to have a relationship with Him. I'm sure somebody out there is asking this question, so I'll verbalize it for them. How can someone know if they're possessed? How can they know if they're possessed? Yes. Um, they can't. They're going to have to rely on a, a trained and informed pastor or priest mm-hmm. to take them through the steps to determine whether or not they really are. Because they could be, as we've discussed before, they could be dealing with a psychological disorder they don't know about or a medical disorder or something else. There are even things in the environment that can cause symptoms that make somebody think they're possessed, such as high electromagnetic frequencies in their area. Like if they live really close to um, high high tension tension wires or things like that. Father, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show tonight. I wish you continued success. Blessings to you and all those that you work with. And uh, I, for one, I'm glad you are there. Well, I appreciate being here. I look forward to coming back. And uh, may God bless you and all of your listeners. God bless you too, sir. Exonation, my guest this hour has been Father Davila Ashcraft, and his website is paleoorthodoxy.org. And I'll be back on the other side of this break. And the news, I'll be back here at six and a half minutes past the top of the hour as we continue here in the Exxon from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. My name is Rob McConnell. Don't go away. Mm-hmm.